welcome in everybody to the Cyhawk post-game instant reaction podcast. I'm Andrew Barber here with my co-host Drew Shipley. We are sponsored by Rivelton Distillery and Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Huge thank you to our sponsors. And man, Drew, does it feel good to be bringing that Cyhawk trophy back to Iowa City just right where it belongs. Close one, but man, does it feel good. Give me your initial reaction to Kirk Ferentz's 200th win as a head coach uh, and it being the Cyhawk win and just your general overall thoughts on today's game. My blood pressure is still coming down, Andrew. Uh, But again, just like last week, at the end of the day, want to know this week, got it done, bringing the Cyhawk trophy back to Iowa City. What happened was exactly what I thought would happen uh, in our episode on Thursday night with the first 15 plays scripted were phenomenal. 150 yards. There was a, a, a stat that they showed there on TV. 150 yards in the first 15 plays, minus two at one point there in the second quarter. So, again, it's it's clear that the offense in real time, Brian Ferentz can't call an offense. There were missed opportunities, like you said, uh, before we went live here. Um, missed opportunities to Seth Anderson. Um, some overthrown, underthrown balls. Uh, the pick six was phenomenal. Won't see an easier pick six all season long. At, again, at the end of the day, 2-0 and on the season, heading home, playing Western Michigan, who got thumped by Syracuse, by the way, today. So should should not have any uh, qualms or worries about going back to Iowa City to be 3-0. and uh, that, That's my initial reaction. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. The When you get off the script, it gets a little bit, iffy shall we say we're able to muster together a nice drive i thought in the third quarter it's attack on that field goal to go up 20 to 3 um that was a decent drive but other than that it was really really bad and really predictable stuff um but you got to give credit to the iowa state defense um that may be a top 10 unit if we're being honest and that defense alone is going to be um, is going to be what keeps Iowa State in ball games this year. Yeah. Where yeah. the offense might struggle a little bit, that defense is going to keep them in ball games. It's a, it's a lot like the twenty twenty two Iowa Hawkeyes in a lot of ways, to be quite honest. Yeah do do we have a new RB one, especially um, in, especially in between the tackles? I I'm mean. Glad- I'm glad you brought that up because this was the huge Jazz Patterson game. Um, yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. I know it wasn't Caleb Johnson's best day, uh, but Jazz looked like he was just shot out of a cannon. But even bigger than the running game was a couple of the pass blocks that he made. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of the the one play that he made on a third down where Cade was able to get a long completion on a third down that eventually led to a field goal, I believe maybe even a touchdown drive, but he blocked two defenders by going low. Yeah. He took 100%. both the two defenders out. And if he doesn't do that, Kate is getting sacked or 100%. at very least incomplete pass because he gets rocked. And so, and, and honestly, Andrew, uh, another thing that I kind of noticed was, you know, Iowa state's special teams reared its ugly head again. Iowa dominated the special teams, especially the punt coverage. Did Iowa State have a have positive yardage in punt returns today? I have no idea. I don't think so. Maybe, 
but it wasn't much. It was probably less than 10. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then, yeah, the blocked field goal to begin the game, that was huge because Iowa State, again, on their scripted plays, a lot like Iowa, looked good on their scripted plays, but they used them all up basically in one drive. And then they put together a little something in the second half uh, while trying to make a late comeback, but it just wasn't quite enough. But that blocked field goal was just absolutely huge for momentum because then Iowa, um, I believe, took it down and, and scored after the 59-yard run by Jazz. They had to settle for a field goal right away to go up 3 nothing. But again, they were up 10 nothing, and it felt like that. And then you kind of... Cade McNamara throws an interception and it, it was fine because the officials didn't call DPI pretty much either way all Ooh, day today. Yeah. They just, they just decided that DPI was just okay today. So, and, and OPI too at that late touchdown. Yeah. They just decided that hand fighting and pass interference both ways was just a okay today, but Cade throws that interception. Then Rocco Beck comes back and telegraphs one Castro takes it for pick six. Felt like the Hawks were going to throw up 30-plus kind of roll, and then they kind of turtle up and don't really do much outside of that one drive in the second half for three points. They're able to hold on, um, but it comes down to a stop on fourth and one and Ethan Herquette getting through the line of scrimmage and just completely blowing a play up. And that's essentially what... Cooper DeGene broke up a couple passes. I was impressed with the secondary. Should have had a pick if uh, Xavier Wampa wasn't in also great position as well. Hit hit him off the helmet. But, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. The defense played great again. You know, no qualms about the defense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, We're we're minus six on the Brian Ferencz-O-Meter. Uh, drive to 325 now. Uh, but again, like I said earlier, uh, Western Michigan is trash. They got thrashed by Syracuse for at least 45 points. I think the game was still going on when, the last time I saw the ticker. Um, what what happens if we go 10-2 and two again or go 11-1 and one and we're averaging 20 points a game again, Andrew? We had another pick six today to add to that point total. Like, yeah. what actually happens? I'm not real sure because it's, do you care more about the seven wins or the 25 points per game? I mean, if we're getting the wins and getting the, and that's ultimately the result that you want, right? It's to win the ball game. I don't know if I was ever going to look pretty doing it, but it, but on a day like today, again, you feel like Iowa specifically the offense left some points out there on the field. Uh, There was that play to Seth Anderson where maybe Cade lofts it up a little more or maybe just has a, a half second longer in pass protection because the pack pocket was collapsing a little bit. But if he, yeah, maybe just has he a half second longer, yeah. that's probably a 90 yard, 91 yard touchdown that puts Iowa up 27 to three. And we don't even worry about this late game comeback. We don't even worry about it at all. And, and honestly, were, were you concerned until the fourth quarter? Cause I wasn't not after we got the first drive stop, the missed, the blocked field goal. I was not concerned the rest of the game until the fourth quarter. I was concerned um, when ISU was driving, and then when I saw how they were managing the clock on that drive where they eventually scored a <laughs> touchdown and how they were approaching it with little to no urgency, taking up seven minutes of game clock 
and not really putting pressure on Iowa. They got a touchdown on fourth and nine. Um, and like you said, beat Sean Lee in a one-on-one. And that was the only time that Lee really got beat today Yeah, in pass coverage. And I, I love it. That's our third corner, our third best corner, um, who has played as a starter for two weeks. And other than that, hasn't really given up much of anything. Cooper DeGene isn't giving up anything either. And so your only hope passing against Iowa is in between the hashes. Um, I, I was only a little bit concerned until that clock management. Once I saw that clock management, I kind of understood that, hey, um, Iowa's kind of got this in the bag because they're not really approaching this with the most urgency. Uh, Iowa had a third and one with a little right around two minutes remaining. They hand it off to Caleb Johnson, and he gets shoestring tackled going to the outside. Uh, I was messaging you and begging you, and we're begging for it. I think we're going to see it at some point. I pray we do. Deacon Hill, Deacon Hill has a mountain of a man for a quarterback. He's like 6'3", 258, or something like that. It, it might be obvious if you put him in there in a situation like that that you're going to quarterback sneak it. And the defense might be able to load up, but we've seen that in the past where I, where it's obvious and Iowa gets it anyways. He's six three. He, all he has to do is get the snap and reach the ball out, and he's probably going to fall and fall forward. He's probably going to get you a yard in that situation, right? So I was begging for them to put Deacon Hill in just specifically for that. We didn't give the ball to Hayden Large at all today either, so I wouldn't have been mad if he got a tote of the rock. You know, not on the uh, ground. A-, a la Monty Potabom, you know? Yeah. So, like, give him the chance or give the guy that could actually run up the gut all day long and Patterson the ball for one yard. Like, I, I for some reason, uh, Caleb Johnson did not look explosive today. He looked hesitant, uh, especially in between the tackles. And then he looked slow getting outside the tackles, too. So, like, Patterson was obviously the, the star of the game offensively, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like it, it might be a running back by committee going forward, but the offensive line looks like trash in the run game again. And, and, what? but like you said, Iowa state might be top 10 defense. We don't know. We only have two games. We only have two metric points to go from this season. Right. Uh, Utah yeah. state. Okay. Opening season, you know, opening game. We did what we did because that's what we do on opening day. But then you go into Ames, you get the win. Like, so, like, how mad can you really be? Um, yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. I don't know. Yeah, I thought run game actually looked better at points than last week. Not maybe to the standard that we're used to seeing, but it certainly looked better, especially in that first quarter. A lot of it was that jazz Patterson run in that first quarter, but it was good run blocking that made that happen. You saw Colby pull over from his right guards spot and absolutely break that thing wide open. If he doesn't make that play, that run doesn't happen. Yeah. So you see, you see some flashes of how things could get corrected in the run game. So it's not been up to the Iowa standard yet, but I, you can see how it could come together. A little bit through two games it's not i don't think we're gonna run for 300 yards on anybody but i do think no. there's a couple of 200 yard days coming for as a as a team in the future it, it 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 might be next saturday under you know against western michigan 
and actually, as a matter of fact, it should be because when you open up Big Ten play, you know, wide out Penn State, like you're going to have to be able to run the ball. Yeah, and my question for you, and then I think we can we can call it a day. One last question here. For sure. Do you start Deacon Hill next week? Do you give Cade McNamara the week off, give him some rest? Or do you think he needs to play a quarter to get that kind of keep that momentum? I wish I was a doctor in the know, Andrew, honestly, because like we we know very little about the injury and we really know very little about college football injuries as is. And, you know, other shows, KXNO talk about it all the time, especially on the gambling shows like Miller and Condon. Like they need to start being more forefront about injuries if we're starting to bet on these college games. Right. We need to know what percent you are like generally speaking. Um, so with, with that being said, D- Deacon Hill should be fine to, to roll in there, go 28, three and call it a day. You know, that's kind uh, yeah. Give, 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 give Cade a, a week off going into Penn state, man. Like he needs to be as, as hundred percent as possible going into happy Valley. So yeah, I want to see Deacon Hill next week. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and maybe Labus is healthy enough to where you might see a little bit of combo of Deacon Hill and Labus. Totally fine with that. I think Labus showed in the in the bowl game last year that Iowa can win games with him at quarterback. And I feel the same way about Deacon Hill. Iowa can win games with him at quarterback as well. I don't know about the if you want to go through a whole season with those two guys as your quarterbacks, <laughs> yeah. but uh, if it helps Cade McNamara be at a point where he's nearly 100% for Penn State, that's really what you need because you need Cade at hundred percent. If you're going to win that game in a wideout, and he's going to have to be at his absolute best. If we're going to, if we have any hope of pulling that thing out, you and I both picked him to lose in the wideout preseason. Do you, do you still feel like that's your prediction? Has anything changed for you in that regard? Yeah, uh, no, no, I, I take that back. No, nothing's changed. I think Penn State probably walks away with that win uh, opening Big Ten game. Uh, the wideout's tough, man, and this offensive line has not shown me anything to sustain, you know, sustain freaking being able to run the ball. And you're gonna, you've got to be able to run the ball to get K. McNamara at his best. Play action, for God's sake. The play action game was the best part of the entire game plan today, first quarter, you know? The, the wide open pass. I mean, and then the, the underneath uh, calls to the tight ends was really good from Brian as well. Um, but I guess my last question to you, Andrew, before we wrap this up is, is there, is there a way to fix Brian Ferentz right now? Like, it, and, and what, 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 what does that look like? You know what? It, it's easy to sit here as a fan or as a podcaster and be like, Brian Ferentz sucks, but why does he suck? And is it correctable? And we're now, what, five seasons into this thing with Brian Ferentz? And two of the worst offenses in football in history so far. Like, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so it. I'm going to go back to something that Hayden Fry used to say, and this will tell you kind of what's wrong with Brian Ferentz. Hayden used to, and we heard Coach Max say it, Hayden used to say, scratch where it itches, mm-hmm. right? Where was it itching for Iowa State? It was getting into those third and shorts and calling play action p- passes because Iowa's tendency is to run into a stacked box on third and short. 
Yep. Wide open tight ends and wide receivers on play action passes on third and short. Trust your quarterback to do what he, an experienced guy on a play action pass to do what he needs to do to get you the first down because he's shown he was nine for 12 on third down and fourth down last week. And he showed again that he's good on third and fourth down when you go for it in a passing situation. That is where it itches. And then also jazz, like you talked about jazz Patterson up the middle, he seemed to just have the juice and you needed, you need to kind of go with him when he's hot like that, because he, yeah, he looked like he was ready to have a day and break this thing wide open. So if you do choose to run the ball today, it should have been jazz and then work play action off of that. It was too easy to tell that Iowa was going to run first down or, or throw first down. If they didn't complete it, that a run was coming on second and long. I do not like the second and long run call. So that's really what's wrong with Brian Ferentz is he just needs to get some sort of a sense of what is the defense not able to stop. And then you might as well just keep running it to death until they stop it. And he just doesn't do that. He just keeps trying to go in his bag and try a whole bunch of different play calls. It's like, he's just constantly searching for the right calls. It's like, you've had success with this, this, and this, why not just run three to four of the same plays? I think it's almost, they're calling too many different types of plays. Trying to be too cute. Yeah. Find the two or three that have been ultimately successful. Wait until they stop it and then throw something else once they eventually do. Yeah. So that's, that's how I see it. But um, we'll be back for next week. Any last thoughts before we, we're, we're two and oh, we should uh, run shop on Western Michigan Buff, uh, Broncos next Saturday in, in Kinnick. So like, I don't know if we're going to learn anything next Saturday, but uh, we will, we will do our preparation and do our due diligence on, uh, on Western Michigan. Hopefully we get on a beat writer or a, a commentator on their side. We haven't lined one up yet, but we will work hard to get one and, uh, because you know, behind enemy lines, I think is is my favorite uh, segment of the show. So, yeah, I'm with you there. So hopefully, we'll have a Western Michigan writer or podcaster, whomever, on next week. But it feels good to be two and zero. We'll take it. We look forward to three and zero next week. Thank you as always for listening. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts: Apple, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere. Thank you for listening and watching. Appreciate you all and have a great night. Go Hawks. And heaven, there is no beer. Let's go.